Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glyn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome back to He Shoots, He Draws. This is episode 81. It's a lovely sunny weekend and we're both sat in a small room with foam on the walls, just recording an episode for you. But not in the same room. Not in the same room, no. But, we all, but our audio, we always make sure our audio is good. We do. <laughs> so it sounds like we are. No, this week um, we had a, we had a, we've had a couple of great interviews last couple of weeks, and we've got another good one coming up. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday or Wednesday. But today we were actually chatting about something that Glyn had been doing, and we kind of wanted to make it into a, I guess, a practical episode. So just to explain what it is, Glyn. Yeah, this is, uh, well, I think it's a really good idea, this, but you what you said, why don't we talk about the printing side of things that I'm doing now? Because what I tend to do is when I do a print, I always seem to do a little video and post it on social media so you can come, so you can see it all coming through. And the only reason I do that is because I am just blown away by the quality of the prints. I remember once I, I did like a zoom in on my phone on a print and somebody uh, posted that they actually thought that was me doing a close-up of the real person until I moved the, fa- the phone back and they could see it was a print. Yeah. So we thought we'd just kind of go through the printing process because, believe you me, last few years, printing, I, I would have a full head of hair had my printing been good <laughs> over the last few years. <laughs> well, I know I can remember when I used to do a lot of kind of photo retouching. So back in the day, the graphic designers will know this. The thing you got asked the most by your friends and family was, oh, could you put so-and-so's head on so-and-so's body? <laughs> oh, and then can you make it into a birthday card? Or can you make it... I, I ended up used to do a series of posters for 30th birthdays and 40th birthdays where I'll be putting heads... And I actually found I ended up buying a big A3 HP printer. Now, wow. the the print the printer itself was quite a pricey one, but I, I got a good deal on it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the ink is always expensive if you go for the proper ink. But I found it cheaper than keep like going to a, a print place. And I used to make A3 calendars and posters, and and I really benefited from it. Now I, I've not had a good printer for years, mm-hmm. and and I f- and the thing I found with a lot of people with printers is. People are just going out and buying a printer, like photographers buying printers and designers, and not really knowing there's loads of different types of paper. Mm-hmm. There's loads of different settings on the printer that you have to set first. And also, you have to tell the printer what paper you're using. And oh, the times people used to, like, I'd get, oh, I've tried doing that and it's too dark or it's yeah. using up too much ink. So now I, I remember we were at the photography show. Mm-hmm. and you'd said to me that you'd ordered a printer on Amazon, and then while we were there, we saw Permajet, I think it was. Oh, no, uh, this was this was at the, the Societies, wasn't it? Oh, the Societies, yes, We saw that, yes. little, that little table, and we kind of walked up and saw the same printer I'd ordered on Amazon only a few days before then, the exact same one, for literally half the price. Yeah, I remember you cancelled the Amazon deal, and you bought it there, and you got some paper. So from that moment, you'd kind of gone back into the print world. So we thought this episode, we're not just going to go, hey, your print is really good. My prints are really good. Mm-hmm. We're actually going to talk about from the moment you bought it, some of the process of like your setup procedure, how you've kind of worked out what the best paper is, the the importance of having proper ink, and kind of the, the I guess, the process you go through to yeah, settle yeah. that up yeah. and that, that, you are, that you still fine-tune it. So starting with the printer, what printer did you buy? All right, so the one the one I've got at the moment, um, and p- this is purely because of a space issue, and I guess also because 
of how I thought I was going to be using it at the first. I got the Canon PicSmart Pro 10S. It's a 10-ink system. Uh, it does A3 Plus prints. And I've got to say, I am totally in love with it. And I've got nothing to do with Canon. Absolutely nothing to do with Canon. I paid for this all myself. Uh, I don't get any kickbacks from anybody. I'm doing this all because I want to do it. But I absolutely love this printer. Right. So let's start off. If, you, if you're listening and you want to kind of tally this up, when you purchased that printer, roughly how much was it? Oh, blimey. I th- it was oh. about three. Yeah, it was half price. I think I was going to pay on Amazon, say for argument's sake, 650 quid, something yeah. like that. Uh, and then it just so happens, as you do get at trade shows, you always get the best deals at trade shows. Um, I literally got it for half that price. Yeah. And that, Remember included, about- that included all 10 inks, and yeah. it included uh, some sample packs of Permajet fine art paper. That's right, yeah. So we're already looking at a printer in the £300 ballpark, ballpark if you can like find the deal on that particular printer. Obviously, yeah. other Ordinarily printers are available. Ordinarily, you're looking at the 650 mark, yeah. Yeah, but we're just talking about your setup at the All moment right. because every every printer's going to be kind of have the same process, but we thought if we talk about this one, because I know people have asked you, what printer are you using? Yeah, yeah. So we start with the printer. You've got some test paper. So when you got it home, then what's what would you advise is the first thing to do? All right. So, uh, okay. So if I talk about what you're generally told to do yeah. to get the best results possible uh, is that you get your printer, you then choose the paper you want, and then all you simply do is calibrate your monitor, and then you just go to the manufacturer's website of the paper that you're using, download their profiles, install them into Lightroom or whatever software you're using of choice, press print, and jobs are good. And thanks um, for listening. We'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs> but i got to say, from experience and from a lot of people that I speak to about this kind of stuff, that is absolute baloney. Does not work like that at all. I've wasted. And this is the reason why I stopped printing in the first place all those years ago, because that just didn't work for me. I spent, I don't know how much money on a, a, a screen calibrator, and the screen was brilliantly calibrated. And then I go and get the uh, printer profiles for the paper, and it just wasn't working. The colours might have been right-ish, brightness was off, all, all kinds of issues. So I, I, I gave up because I was just wasting. I might as well have just been burning, you know, pound notes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how long it's been since I've had them. Uh, <laughs> I, I should have just been burning 50 pound notes. It was ridiculous the amount of money I wasted when I was trying to get prints right. Yeah. Anyway, so Sorry, the, the question was... <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, basically, all right, so to go back, I think this is what you asked me, uh, was to basically... This, this is basically what I've done. So I've got the printer, okay? I've got the printer. And then I thought, right, what paper shall I use? Now, it just so happens that when I got the printer for that special deal, Permajet gave me some of their papers. So I started to use those. However, and this again, this is another investment. I know that, but it all depends why you're wanting to do the prints. Because I'd had a bad experience uh, of downloading profiles from companies, um, and I know that there'll be some people there saying, yeah, but you can do a test print, send that to the company, they'll do a profile, then it can come back to you and away you go. I didn't want to do that. I want to do it now. I want 100% total control. So what I got from Colour Confidence, and I, you know, this is a hands-up uh, here. This was sent to me by Colour Confidence. So, you know, that's... 
nice position to be in where they send you that stuff. Yeah. So they sent me a thing called by X Right and it's spectrometer, which is, looks like a huge kind of uh, screen calibrator. In fact, it can calibrate your screen with it, but you can calibrate other things with it, such as papers. So what I do with this software, is, uh, with this piece of kit, with its software as well is, um, I think we were kind of talking about this before we started saying it. When I when I buy my papers, let's say I buy a pack of Permajet A3 paper for, I think it's, in fact, I've got a box here. Hold on a second. I've got, I think it comes with, whoop, I've got 25 sheets. And the one I'm currently using that people will see me printing out all the veterans pictures on in a minute is called FB Gold Silk 315. And 315 is the weight of the, the paper. And I really like this paper. But for 25 sheets, I think you're talking roughly £55, something like okay, that. so about £2 a sheet then. Yeah, yeah. So what I, I know from the very first time I get this paper, I got myself a pack of uh, the A4 size of that because it's cheaper. And I know that when I first try a new paper, I'm going to... And waste isn't the right word to use, but you know what I mean. I know that yeah. I'm going to make use of three pieces of that paper that won't end up having a veteran's portrait on, for example. But the first two prints are used by that spectrometer software to calibrate and profile that paper. All right, so that will create a unique profile for how my printer prints on that paper and the results it gets. Because every printer, even if they're the same model, will produce different, slightly different results. So you're buying a pack of A4 to use to test and calibrate. Well, kind so of. So you but don't kind of waste the A3. The, the big ones. However, I do yeah. send off uh, prints that are 10 by 8s, which fit perfectly on the A4 paper. Okay. So, so two prints are used um, to calibrate Oh, sorry, I keep saying calibrate, to profile, to create a profile for that paper. And that profile is a little file that's created, which I then use in Lightroom when I go to my print, uh, print module in Lightroom. So that's two pieces used. Now, when I put that profile into Lightroom, there are other settings to consider because I know so many times I've had this and many other people are here saying it, oh, my colors are bang on, but the picture's too dark. And now in Lightroom and also in other bits of software, once you've got the profile in there, you also have to think about the brightness settings. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll put my profile in, I'll choose a picture to print, and I'll increase the brightness by around 10 to 15, something like that, and I'll do a test print. Then I see how bright it looks compared to how I want the image to look when I hold it next to my screen. And I might find that I need to increase that brightness by maybe three or four, whatever. Once I know that then, I know exactly what I'm going to get from that moment on. Anytime I print in the future, I know what I'm going to get with that particular paper. I've got the profile. I know what brightness setting I need to put into the print module in Lightroom. I save that as a preset. I know when I press print now, I can confidently say I will get a print that is bang on. Cool. So no matter how big, how small that profile just works that profile that will set. work for that paper now if i go and choose some other papers because there's one i'm trying out at the moment called photo rag which is a much denser uh very very much kind of textured fine arty paper um i've done exactly the same process with that okay so i've used three sheets i've done two test sheets with the spectrometer to create the profile and then i've done a print to adjust or fine-tune the brightness of it save that as a preset so from now on, whenever I use that, 
I know the results I'll get. However, that kind of paper does produce some really different results because the way it absorbs the ink, the blacks don't look so black. So you have to kind of, you start to learn which papers work best for different kinds of uh, portraits or whatever. So are you finding printing from Lightroom to be the best method for you at least? For, for me, yes, because Lightroom is what I use. Um, but I suppose when you look at what I do in Lightroom, it is minuscule compared to what people we know who use Lightroom, people like Rob Silver, and they do so much in Lightroom. I literally am in Lightroom for, well, when it comes to retouching a portrait, for example, I use Lightroom as my storage, my catalogue. Okay. And then I'll do like a raw conversion where I just literally just, uh, I set the white balance by clicking on the grey card portrait that I've got, you know, the, the one with the hole in the grey card. I do the brightness, lens correction, bang, straight out into Photoshop, where's my happy place, and away I go. Yeah. But um, so so yeah. going through what you used to do, um, and obviously there's loads of print what uh, print laboratories out there. We're not going to name any specific ones because you know it's like anything, like a barber or a plumber or a car mechanic. Once you find a good one, you stick with it. Mm -hmm. What what kinds of problems have you found in the past that you've maybe had through a laboratory that you that you have found you've got better control because you would kind of expect a lab to kind of forget it nail on every time so now that you're doing it home what have you gained uh is it because you can do it instantly well, is it, is it I, I know what you're getting at ultimately what i wanted was to have complete control of the whole process i wanted to see everything from from the minute i started taking a portrait right through to holding that final print and delivering it i wanted complete control and that that was a personal thing However, that's been born out of, and I don't, when we talk about this, I'm not kind of saying, oh, a particular lab was let me down at all. By the very nature of the fact that you're using a third party company to do your printing, it's only, it's only natural that you are going to get issues from time to time. No, nobody and no company is perfect. Um, but I was using a particular lab who were great. The support was great. But, I, you know, from time to time, I was getting things that maybe weren't so bang on with the colour because they didn't use profiles for number one thing. Okay, so clearly you're not going to get anything that's perfect when they're not using profiles. So I was finding that although I was kind of happy, I was also having to forego a part of what I wanted the picture to look like. So I was having to kind yeah. of say... It's great. I'm really happy with that. It's not perfect, but it's great. But I want perfect. You know, yeah. I've spent a lot of money, a lot of time trying to get this right. And I'm now photographing something that is incredibly important to me. When I give people the prints, I want them to be perfect. And when all's said and done, if I want perfection, you're never going to get perfection. But you know what I mean? No. As, as near yeah. as damn it. You've got to have that control yourself. There's no other yeah. way about it. And especially with your project, because it's so, so heavily themed around the subject and the style, is if you wanted to put 10 images up on a wall, as you will with the exhibition, mm -hmm. um, you want them all to look the same. And if you started using different laboratories and different papers and everything, it's totally. going to look different. So yeah. the, sec sec the other thing I used to find with printers, and this is probably more prominent f for you and photographers, is... Um, oh, I guess what's the word? The fading problem. So all right, like you okay. print it out, stick it in a frame, and then you know, two months later, all of a sudden, mm -hmm. it's it, people are going. I'm sure that, that that image had richer colours. Mm -hmm. So, 
from the paper side of of things is what kind of lifetime does your image have by doing it that way printing at home is it does it have any kind of guarantee is it uh are there is it better behind you know glass or a, or a, a non-glass material if you're going to frame it because at the moment you're printing for yourself and i know you've started to sell prints which is going to be my next question is what what would you change if you suddenly had to start to sell more mm-hmm. um how would that, how would that process work out uh <clears throat> well when it comes to the lifetime of the print right i'm going to be completely upfront and honest with you here i don't completely know i'm because at the moment i'm using the, the permajet papers I yeah. want to then move on. I want to try some different papers uh, from uh, Harnemule, I presume. Harnemule, uh, yeah. I, say I want to use some of their their papers next because this is a learning process for me. Despite been doing the photography a while, the printing side of it is still a very much a learning process. Now, I know that their papers are archival. I don't know the actual time limit on the Permajet fine art papers. However, you know, you can help that when it comes to the storage and the display of the images. So um you put it in bright sunshine it's going to fade it's going to fade you know now furniture fades yeah. <laughs> let alone a, let alone My a print <laughs> however one thing i do when i get these uh when i get these actual prints uh framed i've got a friend of mine i don't send them away to get framed again there's a control thing there i've developed a really good relationship with a guy called robin who uh, owns a company called pretty light pictures in tame in oxfordshire and we've developed that relationship where he kind of knows what I'm looking for and he knows the importance of it so he will advise me on the best kind of glass to use which is always the non-reflective glass because it yep. shows off your prints better um so I kind of follow yeah I, I the the time limit of the pictures I don't know but all I at the moment I'll say when I'm using these particular pages or this paper is does not have it in direct sunlight to use a non-reflective glass and so on and so on and so forth I've yet I've more to learn with this, but I know yeah, that yeah. the Hana Mule is the next phase in the printing. Yeah, because I know I've had some prints sent through from Moose um, of uh, oh, Moose Peterson. He sent, yeah, Moose Peterson. He sent three prints through of uh, three of his Spitfire images. Oh wow! Oh, okay, and man, the color is just so rich, yeah. and I'm like really conscious of how I frame them and where yeah. I put them because, but like moose and we know a couple of other photographers that actually do sell prints online and they print them themselves they've mm-hmm. obviously got much much bigger printers um so from their point of view where they're investing in the big printer and the ink it's going to pay for itself now you first started you bought this f- f- kind of for this project and for take control of your prints mm-hmm. um so from a cost point where we've looked at the cost of the printer the other thing that would say is absolutely buy the proper inks for oh, these totally. printers. Yeah, do yeah, not yeah. try and cut cut costs if you the minute you start cutting costs on anything you are going to have problems and you can't go back to the printer manufacturer you can't go to the paper manufacturer you've just if you've bought a 20 pound set of inks off amazon you've only got yourself to blame mm-hmm. so go for the printer go for the right inks for the printer go for the paper and test it so we're talking about calibration color confidence you said um for the x right yeah testing paper so now you're starting to produce prints and obviously there's a demand for them you were saying before before we started about obviously if you're going to sell prints uh how i mean how are you prior how do you decide what you sell a print for if that's not too uh pricing prices is a difficult one um and because i'm not i never set out to sell prints 
it just wasn't, you know, I'm not a Moose Peterson. I'm not a, a Nigel Danson or whatever. I'm not the kind of person that sells portraits, because uh, sorry, uh, prints, because the kind of work that I do. However, this project, and I guess that's what this has all been motivated by, has generated interest and people do want prints of the veterans. Can I just say, though, with the, the prints that people buy of the veterans, a percentage, I'm going to be putting this onto the main 3945 Portraits website, percentage of the price they pay for the prints goes towards the veterans charity so i just want to get that kind of clear there uh, and also the pin badges that percentage of that will be going to the veterans charity as well um but regards to uh, price of these i i never wanted to use this veterans thing as a money-making kind of venture um, so I was also always very conscious of the price. Now, the prices I charge for prints will be very different to what somebody else charges. And, and because I don't kind of advertise the fact that that's what the prices are, it's because I never actually intended to sell them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't want a veteran to kind of think that I'm making money out of them. People no. who are buying them are people who generally know of that particular veteran or it's family members. I mean, when I do a portrait the veteran himself or herself will get a mounted print, which I, I love giving it because I love seeing the reaction. But obviously, I've got to be realistic here. I can't be kind of dishing out prints all over the place the amount of money that it costs. So I'll also say to family members and friends, this is how much if you wanted extras. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's what I was going to say because, and I just want to say a personal thing for a lot of people who have been looking at the project, and I know it's not something you would say, Obviously, in the beginning, if you go back and listen to the previous veteran episodes, and they are tagged. If you go on the He Shoots He Draws website, they, if you look for the category veterans, you can find the episodes. And I know, like, this is a personal project. You've been going out. You did. You raised the money for Ted, and then you added the, the money to the veterans charity. You've also licensed some images to the Royal Mint, which some of the money's gone there. I know, as your friend how much traveling you're doing mm -hmm. around the country and and that is going in some cases going to meet the guy coming back going a second time shooting coming back going the third time to deliver the print there's a cost involved there mm. there's also you know i know you've chosen it as a project but that is that is still time that you would be doing paid work um, I know that you've obviously invested in the equipment, uh, aside from the photography and the gear that you've been buying specifically to do this project the best you possibly can. Um, you've obviously looking to do the printing and the framing, and I know you're paying for that. So I don't think, I would hope nobody would feel any kind of malice towards you being able to make some of that money back because i think absolutely you deserve you that some of this has to be covered Glenn, and of course a personal to, project has to you know yeah you've got to be realistic you know what i mean because listen don't get me wrong i'm all right i'm all right when it comes yeah, to yeah. <laughs> um, and there's other other ways that i make money within this particular business because there's the tutorials that i sell there's uh, from this particular project because so many people want to know how I'm doing it using the small flash. With on the 27th, there's a uh, some filming going on for a full length tutorial. That's not a problem, and there's obviously other stuff that I'm doing anyway. But this project does seem to take up a lot of time. But that's that is my choice. Um, but the only reason I kind of mention about the fact that I don't want veterans to feel like I'm taking advantage of them and all that kind of stuff, which clearly I'm not, is only because of the incident that we spoke about when i first started off when the pre when the media misreported what i was doing and they kind of you know i when i was trying to help that veteran ted owens and they said that i'd re i said he was destitute and had no money and it just got very messy and it was really mm. sad how that happened 
So I'm kind of just being upfront and honest with people. I've always found that honesty is the best policy when it comes to this stuff. And that really did help when I was doing that stuff with Ted to be completely upfront and honest with everybody. Yeah. Um, so I yeah. kind of said that just purely because, not because it's like, oh, boo-hoo, Glyn's spending money on petrol and driving <laughs> around. Because we all, we, you know, we all have personal things that we do. It was more for anyone else listening if you are taking on a, a project that that is, has this kind of value to it in terms of you know human beings, mm. um, especially veterans and elderly people, is don't like kind of feel that you have to become broke doing it to make it worthy. It's, it's okay to recoup some of those costs. Absolutely. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when you, t- I mean, I had no idea what you charge for those prints. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I actually think it's fantastic that the most expensive print is 20 quid mm-hmm. because what you're doing is you're kind of covering the cost of the print. You're making it available to people who want them because, you know, when you're handing it over to the veteran, like you say, it's like when you do free work, it's you have to tell the person the value of the work you've done so when they the next person says oh how much would that did that cost they, that person can go oh that was 500 pounds or that was 600 pounds whatever they, they, Dave, so, these are also prints of of people do you know what i mean if this yeah. if this was fine art and stuff like that and completely different then yeah you'd you'd charge something very very different for that in fact there's two i'm going to be adding some some kind of uh, artwork if you like to the whole um, store on 3945 portraits. They're not all going to be portraits. Some of them will be things like I've already photographed, like Pegasus Bridge, the inside yeah. of the um, Horsa Glider, and other things that are to, related to this particular project. But because they're not portraits, they'd be kind of pieces that anybody and everybody could hang on their walls should they wish to. The price for those would be more. But it just didn't feel right to have, let's say if I'd photographed you, all right, and John Smith says, oh, I really like that portrait. I'm going to buy that. Thousands, uh, well, mate. <laughs> I knew face you'd like, say that. Face like, face like this. Face like... <laughs> that was a bad example. All right, so obviously you're, you're a magazine front cover model, I know, I know. blah, blah, blah. But you know what I'm more, saying, though, don't you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you mean. It's the, because, I, you know, there are photographers I know. In fact, it was, it was interesting because it was one this week, um, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to say this as a positive for him, is I know his photography is really good. And I know he a, a part of his what his living used to be was actually selling prints of his work. And I know, you know, if you wanted one of those prints, you were looking at maybe 150, 200, 300 dollars for a print because they were scenery. They'd been, re, you know, retouched yeah. and, and were, were lovely prints. And um, there's been a couple of posts this week, actually, where I've seen uh this one particular photographer is trying to raise. It's, it's really lovely what he's doing. He's trying to raise money for some for this kid to be able to go to this um, like summer camp or something. Mm-hmm. So one of the things he's doing to help raise money is he's selling. He's picked like four prints that he's going to sell, and the money from those four prints will go to help this kid go to his summer camp. Um, and then I saw somebody else saying like, "How much would you pay for a print if you knew the money was going to charity?" And I guess it comes down to. The purpose of the print, really. Yeah. I mean, you know, if it's um, you know, a, a Brooklyn skyline or um, Moab, but yeah, it's interesting that that kind of it's finding how how much that f- kind of photo is worth. But I think in this instance, where like you're saying, it's people. This is what it's about. It's a portrait. It's a family portrait. The, these family portraits were, are never they're never done with a view to oh, I might sell some of these. They're yeah. done to give to the veteran. Okay, that that is the sole purpose of them. Now, it just so happens that other family members or friends want to buy a picture of that person because they know them. Yeah. Now that if if I if, 
So then that's why I'm not charging the earth for them. Now, the other stuff, you know, the kind of like the scenery, the World War II kind of relics, the horse glider, the, the Pegasus Bridge, they will, the prices that they would be sold at by me would be more in tune with what you would expect a print to be sold at. But I'm not going to go on charge. If I photograph, you know, like the other day, I photographed Fred Glover. Now, his son, I'm going to be giving Fred Glover his picture. Now, if his son, uh, Richard, wants a copy of it, I'm not going to say, oh, that's uh, £400 there, Richard. He's like, yeah. hold on a second, that's my dad. You want to charge yeah. him £400 for a picture of my dad? No, I'll go, there you go. What size do you want? Well, that's how much it is. Which I think is a reasonable thing because I'll be delivering it or, or you know, whatever. I'll, it's it may cost me printing it, but... It's not being stupid about prices, you know. I'm not. I'm not here to make. I'm not here to go and, you know, drink some pina colada sat on the beach in Hawaii from selling prints of these veterans. That's not the purpose of it. Do you know no, what I mean? No. But if anyone wants to buy a picture of my mum that you shot, they're available for five hundred pounds each. Just make checks payable to D Clayton. <laughs> <laughs> but no i know what you mean because uh I, you know i'm big into screen print i over the last sort of couple of years i've had an appreciation for it on the design side um the old-fashioned style screen prints yeah, yeah. and you know those the, the average kind of market price for them is around 30 to 50 pounds um for a handmade screen print they're generally limited edition so you know i i know i know kind of what i'm happy to pay for that kind of artwork in my house mm-hmm. in the same way you know if i was going to pay 400 pound for a photograph it better you know it better be the place where you know i proposed or an amazing life thing i can't yeah, yeah. imagine spending that kind of money on a photograph for my room um but you know each to their own but i think it's what going back to the whole thing of printing at home now that you've kind of got into this um kind of i don't know process of, of printing what would make you go back to using a laboratory then at what point is it like volume size obviously size is going to make a difference because you can only print up to a3 but what well, i know uh, you're okay t- so, so when when we move from where we're at, at the moment uh the studio setup i'll have is we're going to be getting another printer anyway so i'm going to be going up to like a an a2 kind of printer and then kind of going forward with that, seeing how things develop with uh, the demand for prints of whatever it is that I'm working on, then maybe we'd kind of go bigger with a print. But I think anything more than certainly A2 for the foreseeable future, I would then have to kind of go to a, um, a lab for that. However, I think now my approach would be that I wouldn't just send it and expect to get good results. I would want to develop a face-to-face relationship with that particular lab, and I'd want to use a lab that could hold a profile for my prints. So I know that the paper that they'd be using, the profile they'd be using, the brightness that I require, and then that I'd get them back exactly as I want. So you'd kind of want to go there and then give them files, and while you sat with them, to get a print done so that you can sit and talk and say, right, we need to adjust this, this, this. Right, there you go. That's how it is. Can we save that? Now, I know there are labs out there. I've got friends who are using those kind of labs. So that's the kind of thing I would do. Yeah. No, that's cool. I mean, I... We've said before that just being able to hand a print over to someone, regardless of whatever it is, I think the fact that now you can do that, it's you're not just sending a digital image. The, the you know that video of was it David Edwards? Yeah, yeah. Who was yeah. the guy? Well, yeah, when he got the, the picture. Yeah, and it was just a feeling of of 
that satisfaction of when you hand that over and I know many people have said about the the power of handing over a print but I think now you've got into this system Mm. where you know that very quickly you can kind of add another 25 percent satisfaction to what to everything you've done yeah by being able to get home on that note mate i know that i can just press print i mean moments later i've got a lovely you know really just bang on print um i then i mentioned robin earlier on the the guy i know that runs the framers he's taught me how to mount prints so what I'll also do, and this is only for the veterans, when I give them their picture, what I don't want to do is just go, there you go, there's your print, you know, in a nice biodegradable, clear cellophane uh, kind of envelope, if you like, and it's all floppy, and there you go. I don't want to do that. You know, Again, it's all about following it through and just trying to do the best you possibly can. I buy mounts off Robin. He, he will cut out 11 by 11 inch mounts, the front, with the aperture on it and then a solid back to it and he showed me how to create a mount book so that it's it's just mounted perfectly i know exactly how to do it now position it fold the mount over how to attach it all i then put that into a nice big cellophane biodegradable of course and then i take that to the uh to the veteran that i'm giving the picture to and when you present something like that you can't you cannot put a price on what that small investment produces you really can't it's the reaction is literally priceless it really is so another part of this um we're using the word process a lot tonight Mm. another part of this process then is actually um to develop a relationship with a local framer as well wouldn't hurt yeah yeah yeah. because i think i don't know if it's you said it or someone else said it about the framing is do you do you frame for the picture or frame for the environment now now that's a funny thing you should say that because i've spoken to robin about this and we sort of say look because i i'd always kind of been led to believe that you don't choose the frame to match the room you choose the frame that matches the picture and that's generally the rule i think robin would probably agree with me on this however rules don't always have to be stuck to and that's what robin will say that sometimes you can tweak it a little bit but i think it's fair to say that you're going to choose a frame that matches the kind of picture that's going to go into it and also the mood the atmosphere the feel all that can contribute to the final look of the picture you know, you've, you've kind of done, my, certainly if I look at the ones that I'm doing at the minute, they're photographed in a certain way with the lighting. They're edited in a certain way when it comes to the colouring. They're printed on a nice paper. You've got to then get that frame done so that it's still, that there's a continuity across the whole process so that the yeah. frame matches the feel of the image as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, ab- no, absolutely. And I think that comes from talking to someone with the experience mm. rather than going to the range, which is like a, a cheap UK uh, home furnishing store and walking in and just buying a, a five or six. I mean, I know I've bought frames from Ikea and, you know, budget-wise, I thought, well, I'll buy the cheap ones. And Actually, you know, actually the- do you know what? Oh, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna cut right over there because it's just made me think of something before I forget it. Because I, I did pop into Robbins the other day and he framed up that, you know, that army photographer's, um, the letter I had and yes. the plaque. I got that framed the other day by Robin. He's done an amazing job. But he didn't know when I was going to turn up. And this was just unbelievable. I walked into his shop and there's Robin behind the counter and he's a guy called James who's now working with him, who's an amazing artist, by the way. And as I walk in, Robin went, whoa, 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 hold on one second and be quiet. And there's the, you could hear that it had like a radio thing playing. It was only the podcast. He was. They were listening to the podcast. <laughs> they were listening to the interview with Uli Steiger. 
And then James is like, how weird must that feel? You walk into here and there's people listening to your podcast. <laughs> How cool, though. Huh? Well, I'm glad we're giving him a shout out tonight. <laughs> oh, no, that's nice. So, moving on, I'm I'm going to be the one leading the questions tonight. <laughs> this of this project, obviously, moving along. Yep. You've now you are now uh, July, August, September. You're three and a bit months away from the exhibition. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, really can't. Uh, wait. Have, you, have you? Are you kind of in a place now where you know what's going to be in the exhibition and kind of roughly how many more? Because uh, I, I know you said you'll keep shooting veterans as yeah, long as they're available. Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, have uh, you got kind of a? Do you kind of know what the exhibition's going to be in terms yes. of qu- quantity? Yeah, now? totally. All right. So I had a really good meeting with Friday just gone with Peggy over at the Soldiers of Oxfordshire Museum. We had a good sit down as we do on a regular basis now, so that we can make sure that everything's all going to plan. Um, initially, I kind of thought that the launch day was going to be a full day. But she, her experience has kind of said, look, you have a launch day, but you have kind of like an event, a special event within that launch day, which is only for invited guests. OK, so 19th of October is actually the new day that the actual uh, event starts. The, the, the um, exhibition starts from the 19th of October and it runs through up to and including the 5th of January 2020. So it's just under the three month period. But on the 19th of October... There's uh, from 11 o'clock until 1 o'clock is the invited guests only to a special event where there's going to be the ribbon cutting. There's going to be special guests going to be there. The press are going to be there. Uh, There's going to be some talks going on for that 11 o'clock. There's cake and tea and stuff like that. And then after 1 o'clock, and for those guests, obviously it's free entry. Um, But with regards to the amount of prints that are being used, because there's three different months it's going on, October, October, November and then December, tiny bit of January. Yeah. That's three separate months there that we're going to be changing over images. But I want big images. So there's actually going to be 12 big images on display uh, at the very start. When November comes in, they'll be changed over to another 12. And when December comes in, they'll be changed over to another 12. So there'll be 36 portraits of veterans throughout the entire three months of the exhibition. However, any additional portraits, or all of the portraits, if you like, will be on a um, a big book, which will be on display that you can kind of look through as well. Uh, and there's going to be some other stuff, which me and you need to talk about. Uh, I was I was just going to say, you've just said the word book. Yeah. That would be my next thing. But there is, a, there is, I think I'm up to about 27 portraits at the minute. Um I've got to try and get to 36 to know that we're comfortable then for the exhibition because then there's other work that I'm doing. I'm in 27th of January recording a full-length tutorial that will be sold on my other website um, and there's work on the book for the project as well. So there's lots yeah. of stuff kicking off from this, but for the actual exhibition itself, 36 portraits will be on display. And all 36 families, people as well, which is important, are all agreed to, the, to being part absolutely. of it. Absolutely, yeah, Absolutely. Um, they will get uh, the the each month or a few weeks prior to each month. Actually, they'll be uh, the people who are in those who are going to be on display. Their families will be sent a letter to say, "Look, your you know your relative's picture will be on display at the exhibition." Blah 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 blah. Um, there's also going to be we've got some schools again. Something else, me and you need to speak about. There's some schools getting involved where the infant children are going to be doing letters, poems, and drawings 
for the veterans. They will also be on display at the exhibition because a big part of this is obviously recognising the veterans and giving them the recognition and stuff like that they, they so deserve, but also education. Because it's uh, clear to me and many others that France and Holland and, you know, these kind of places educate their children a lot about this part of history. However, the UK seems a bit slack on that. So we're going to be doing a big education throughout the three months for the children as well. Oh, that's fantastic. So if people want to find out information about the exhibition, that's all going to be on 3945portraits.com. Yep. And you're constantly updating all the portraits and the information. I know you just added some some cool stuff on this. So do you want to just quickly say what that was? I know my mum commented. Oh yeah, I've I've just I've just added uh, well some of the sections on there. There's an education section started now, which uh, lists all of the medals that you will see that the veterans have because there's quite a you know a range of different medals there from different campaigns and so on and so forth. So that explains what those medals are. And it was lovely that your mum message to say now she knows you know what each yeah, medal what, was what my granddad had exactly yeah. that was lovely uh, i've just started adding a rank uh, structure section to the education part as well so the british army is on there at the moment uh, both you know officers and uh, other ranks so you can understand what they are i'll be adding the royal navy merchant navy and um raf very soon um, but also something that's regularly updated. Every time I do a portrait, I'll also do a little a little interview with the person that I'm photographing. So on the memories section there, there's some short three, four, five minute kind of video snippets of uh, of that particular veteran talking about a particular thing. So it's always worth checking in on those as well. Yeah. Are they going to be also at the exhibition for people to watch? Are they going to be part of the exhibition? They are. There's going to be um, kind of like a, I don't know how we're going to do it just yet, but Peggy knows because Peggy's done this many times with other exhibitions yeah. that you'll be able to just, there'll be a screen, headphones, you click on the name and it'll play their videos and you'll be able to listen to what they've done. And obviously, going back to what we were going to say is, I know even if I wasn't going to be involved in this, <laughs> is there is definitely a book in this. There is. So, yeah. are you already in that kind of? Are you ready down that road? Um, I, I've, I've, there's only so many plates I can spin. However, I do know that the book has been kind of like agreed anyway. But that'll be something I start. I would probably say next year because there's a lot going on. You know, not only do I have my you know, regular photography work. I've got the project. We're also moving home just to throw that that little bombshell in there. So there's all sorts of stuff going on at the minute. So I know that I can't spread myself too thin. So the book will be worked on next year. But that's going to be the intention of that book is to uh, be the picture of the veterans, the story of what they did, um, who they are, what they did and what have you. But there'll also be like a, a halfway part in that book where it then becomes an educational book. So the book is then talking about how the portraits were taken, uh, how they're yes. edited and so on. So the book kind of covers both bases for people who are interested in the veterans, but also who want to learn how they were done, how these photographs yeah. were done. And I think it would be important to include uh, to include some of the exhibition in the book as yeah, well, yeah. to kind of as part of the story, because I think there'll be a lot of great images from the opening and from you know kids coming along. I think that's an important part to show totally. that yeah. this was part of a much bigger thing. Um, Do you know, mate? There's, there's all sorts of stuff coming from this. So the future for I think the future is really exciting with this project. It is by the very nature of what it, what it is and what I'm doing with it, it is causing other work for me, which is great. However, for the project itself, the way that's growing is um, there's somebody I'm talking with at the moment about a children's book. 
cool. there's a poem which is being recorded by a veteran. There's there's a and oh there's a school in France in Mondrainville, which we're going to be talking to some uh, local artists who are going to be creating a mural on a wall at the school which tells a story of how that school got its name, which is by, uh, it was named after one of the veterans I photographed, uh, David Edwards. It's called Lacole Edwards Griffiths. Um, so they're going to create a mural on that wall, mural on that wall, to show the story yeah. of how David basically got the link with that school. It's just, it's, oh, there's great. so much stuff coming from it. It's just, and I never expected this. And tomorrow morning, actually, as we're recording this now, tomorrow morning, I'm on the British Forces Radio. Ooh. I'm getting interviewed for the British Forces Radio Network, which is hello, welcome, Glenn Jewis, to British Forces Radio. The year's 1942. Yeah, but it's just, it's just brilliant. It's, it's just amazing how how far reaching this is becoming. So the support I'm getting all over the place is just wonderful. Um, I'm actually I've contacted last week. I've had the British Army photographers get in touch again. Uh, we're organising a a training day for the British Army photographers where I'm going to be going in for the day, showing them how to do these kind of portraits. Because what they need when they're doing their work is kit that is light, portable, and what have you. And that's exactly what I use when I go into these people's homes. So when I did that seminar for them, they've now contacted me and saying, can I come and do some teaching? Westcott are on board with it. Westcott are sending over six identical kits that I use so then we can give those out to the Army so we can have uh, 30 uh, serving officers and soldiers with us at the time to teach them how to do it. And I've also been contacted by another British Army photographer called Jamie, who uh, has invited me to come along to photograph, uh, just for some fun, um, an air assault exercise with some paratroopers who have just been recently on a programme uh, going through their training because they're about to be deployed to Afghanistan. So he says, come along, two days, watch them going through this assault exercise. Fantastic. Do you know what? It's so, it's so funny. When I think back to that time, we were sat in, I'm pretty sure it's Washington, and we were talking about the the power of P. Oh, wow, um, yeah. The, you know, the power of personal projects was, was one of those things. And when you look now, I mean, I know we're talking specifically about your project, but if anything can be learned from kind of where this is going is if you're planning a personal project, don't just, we've said this before in another episode, don't kind of go into it because you want a free camera from Sony. Don't go into it because you're looking for free stuff from other people. Go into it because your heart's in it, because you can afford to do it. You know, like you said, yeah. don't make yourself broke on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Think of something that's affordable, takes time. It, it, and this is the thing, is this is a massive thing I was speaking to someone uh, this week about, about a talk I'm going to be doing next year. Uh, it's people underestimate the power and value of time. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants anything, everything instant. They want that instant gratification. And, you know, this project is in its infancy, um and and look where it's taken but it's taken dedication it's taken consistency it's it's taking time there are all these things and going back to the printing you know this was something that you decided to add to it you've decided to learn now i do think there is a blog post on your website where you actually talk about the printing calibration yeah i've got that yeah that is on my on my main website glenjewis.com there is a section on there taking you through all the process that i do for that yeah 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 so if you want to see any of that go on uh, say glenjewis.com um and look up that blog post so that will help you get started with the printer so hopefully this episode has has kind of helped you add another layer to whatever kind of project you're doing but i think from the print side of things definitely from what i've been seeing on social media and the comments is that's added a huge part to what you've been doing mm-hmm. and like you said taking control of it and being able to 
you know deliver the prints do it for yourself um there's definitely you would say definitely it's worth the investment i thought i think so i think if you're going to be if you're going to get a printer because we obviously we touched on that if you're going to get a printer that's it's that in itself is an investment all right if you're going to be printing for yourself occasionally then yeah get one because you're not going to be running through ink like it's going out of fashion and spending loads of money so it's okay if you do the occasional print that's fine now, for me, I've made this investment, and that's what the intention was, just to print for myself. But things have changed, and now I'm, I'm kind of, you know, been able to sort of send out prints to other people. But that's covering the cost, more than covering the cost. Do you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm not out of pocket, far from it, for the prints, but they're still not being sold at stupid prices. No, no. And also, if you do sit there thinking, oh, crikey, £300 for a printer, oh, that's a bit steep. Think about the last lens you bought and the last flash you bought and the last camera bag you bought and the last, you know, piece of equipment. There's the, I actually, there was something on uh, Reddit I saw the other day. There's like kind of this meme that keeps getting repeated. And one of them made me laugh because it was um, it was like me. Yes, I'd like to buy two of those brand new iPhones, please. And then the next thing was, oh, a 99p app i don't know if i've got the budget for that <laughs> <laughs> and it is because you do you spend a thousand pound on the phone then you kind of oh 299 for an app and it's you've just spent a thousand pounds on this so when you're looking at these kinds of investments and i know i say i even say this to designers when they're talking about the cost of software or you know monthly payments is look at what you're doing and why you're doing it do you want the best tools to do it or do you want to do it on cheap and yeah. and what's that saying you buy cheap you buy twice buy twice yeah if you want to do something properly and you know again it comes down to affordability but just have a look at the other things you're spending money on before you kind of start going oh that's expensive because we do and i know we do find that we spend frivolous mm. um, we make frivolous purchases on things we aren't really important and then when it comes to something we really need that's the thing we cut out and that's the thing that's important. So, oh, 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 we'll what, put- what I will say on that on that particular note there is that if you are going to do something like this, a project, and you are going to make the commitment to do the printing yourself and blah 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 blah, all that kind of stuff is don't set don't settle for second best. Do you know what I mean? You you spend a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort. If it means a lot to you, just put just go go all out. Just put all the effort into it, and never have that attitude of that'll do. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that'll do. Like I used to with the prints. Oh, that'll do. It's not bang on, but it'll do. No, that's not good enough. I always say, I remember going back a while ago now, that I always used to say my worst nightmare was getting to a point in my life where I'm so old that I find myself going, oh, I wish I'd. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And that's the same with this project and what I'm doing now. In fact, not just a project, but all the other work that I do as well. You've You've got to give it 100%. Because if you don't, that'll be, you'll, people will see that and in years to come, you'll just regret it because you never know what could have happened if you'd given it your all. I never believe, yeah. I never knew what would be coming from this work, from this particular project. But there's so many different things coming from it. But the great thing is, I, I went into it not even even thinking about that. It was purely yeah. to do what I was doing. And it is consistency. And you know, don't kind of see something want to quickly replicate it then jump on social media and tell everybody all the things you're going to do and a week later you've ch- you, you're suddenly doing something different yeah you know you don't have to broadcast this stuff you just have to roll up your sleeves muck in and do it have a go at it make mistakes 
you know ask ask for help um and, and also look what other people are doing team up and speak to other people the, you know this like you know this war veterans thing this isn't yours this is something that there are a few people doing it's not it's not a widely um i've not seen too many photographers who are putting in the time and effort there are some people who maybe do one or two but you know with the 75th anniversary just come up it you know raises the profile again i think what's been lovely is even now when i'm looking through social media or if i'm reading magazines i'm starting to notice more things about veterans specifically and thinking oh i better tell glenn about that oh that's really interesting i'd never i never knew i've started watching war films (laughs) (laughs) because there are things i've taken for granted and i kind of feel you know oh i should know more about this do you know what this sounds really weird but last week's uh it was last week wasn't it phil hal he creative i i kind of in my head i'm very conscious of what he said about social media i think it just makes so much sense that i find that i'm posting stuff which shows what i'm doing my work as opposed to here I am and it really feels good to be doing that kind of stuff on social media just posting this is the work I'm doing so again big shout out to Phil there <laughs> yeah he's a top man if you haven't listened to that episode go back and listen to last week's episode we've got 80 episodes now in the bank uh, we've got some cracking guests. I know we've got uh, we've got a good guest coming up next week. I'm not going to say who it is because we've we've had a couple of things before where we've gone so and so's come in and there's been audio problems. So we have got a guest uh, next week. Fingers crossed that is somebody who we kind of know, um, and it's someone I followed, and I was quite keen to sort of get him on the podcast, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, but yeah, we've got some episodes coming up over the summer. Um, we are trying to get them out on a Monday. We There might be the odd time where it might be a bit late on Monday because obviously Glyn's all over the place. And, you know, for those that know me, I've got a day job and bits and pieces and family and stuff. So we're trying to get the episodes out on Mondays now. Um, just want to say thank you to everyone for, for still listening. Yeah, I had totally. to put together a PDF last week uh, to send off to someone about the show. And it was quite nice going into iTunes and, uh, you know, kind of looking through the stats and reading some of the comments that people have left on iTunes. So I just want to say thank you to everyone who's taken the time to leave leave a comment because, you know, we've had five stars. We're still showing in what's hot. We're still appearing in, you know, even though we're like 84, we're, we were number 84 in the top 200 of the most listened to episodes that week. Um, and there's some stiff competition. So... It, yeah, there's a lot of choice out there. We thank you for listening to us. Um, and if you could share it or, you know, comment, whatever, that would be fantastic. And uh, we broke 125,000. We we're back on track. It's nice. It's nice saying that. So um, if you've got anything left to say. No, I haven't. Um, I'm, uh, we'll, we'll... I've only gone water the garden. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. going to water the garden. It's been a hot day. And those raspberries, they need watering. We've got cherries in our garden. Oh, mate, we've got sweet corn, taters, uh, beans, all sorts. Yeah. Right, dinner round Glyn's end. <laughs> <laughs> vegetarian, mm, nice. <laughs> so, right. uh, yeah, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. And, um, yeah, just have a great week cool. and please share the episode. See you next time. Cheers, folks. <laughs>